Welcome to the Long Come Norwich podcast, a bejeweled blitz of benevolent banter as we bask in back-to-back blissful Birmingham trips. This week, we're joined by Matthew McGregor and Karen Buchanan, and we've got a lot to run through, starting with a four-game winning run. Let's look at Brum, Rotherham, Cov and Stoke. Punt, what was it that you learnt from those four games that maybe we didn't know already? Um, I think it was more about what Norwich learnt about themselves and, uh, and how they've stepped up. I mean, clearly we were in a rut and we, you know, it was all doom and gloom last time we were we were recording. But it's it's highlighted the importance of Emmy Buendia to this team. But all, not only that, but it's kind of highlighted how others around him improve their performances when he's kind of, when he's on his game. I mean, Pukki's been pretty much unplayable because of Emmy. I think you know he thrives on that service and there's you know the fact that he's now instinctively finishing things i think is is due to the quality of of through balls that that you know he he gets from emmy but todd i'm really really i think i've learned loads about todd campwell and i wrote it in the um longcom norwich match review for last night that todd just seems to over the last four maybe five games his work rate is the thing that's completely changed he's showing for the ball you know he's He's absolutely kind of charging down people and, and pressing, you know, in the right areas. And Emmy was always really good at, at kind of considered pressure and you know, and you know the defensive side of his game. Um, and Todd, that was the one thing that you felt like he needed to add, and he also needed to add that, um, you know, kind of that he was he was really looking like he was interested all of the time because clearly he's had his detractors, he's had his you know the boo boys have have got on top of him but they haven't when you you know it, it, over the last few games when things have gone poorly for him because it's really visible that he's trying and that's the I know a lot of people say that's the minimum that you expect of of a professional footballer but I think with Todd it was just it's the last piece of the puzzle and if he continues to do that consistently we've just got a tremendous footballer on our hands and, and one that I now hope that we don't lose in the summer whereas actually probably wouldn't have been too fussed four or five games ago. Karen, welcome to the Long Come Norwich podcast, making your debut this evening. Um, is there anything that you think that, that they've either learned about themselves, which is very, very deep of, uh, of punt, uh, or, or, or something that you think we've maybe picked up beyond the fact that Emmy's quite good at football? Yes, yes, he isn't bad, is he? Um, I, I have to say uh, to, to John, I have to say, I think, Todd, I've been a big fan of him all the way through, and I, I really don't quite understand why he's been so maligned by so many sections of our supporters over the, the years. I think he's fantastic, and I think he... he Yes, I, I, I agree that some occasions he might look as though he's not particularly um, been bothered. But actually, his work rate in most games that I've watched, I think he, he's often overlooked. He's often um, making himself available, really running, looking for the ball. And uh, I think he's a fantastic player. Um so I'm glad that everyone else has got that idea now as well in the last few games. I do think he, he's been outstanding. I think his creativity, his vision, um, his attitude, his work rate have all been sublime. Um, and I, I've never quite got why Norwich fans have, have been on his back, to be honest. There isn't always logic behind who the boo boy is at any one time. Sometimes it can be something that isn't necessarily, you know, maybe it's, it's deemed they don't fit the culture of the club. You know, there's been some odd people that have been kind of separated out for criticism that they've had to kind of earn their 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 stripes and earn their way in more than others have. So I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I said at the end of at the end of that awful season that that went last, you know, last season. I'm so glad that feels so far mm. in the in the rear mirror now. I said that. 
I felt that Toddy could be, you know, absolutely cl- cl- um, crucial this season and, and that, you know, he could really, really lead the team um, because I, I felt that he was due to, to take that kind of next step on. And yes, it was a, a slower start for both him and Emmy. Um, but I really think that he his his pressing and his closing, um, his confidence to just take the ball down. He takes the ball down in in circumstances that other players would do a cushioned header to the player behind him, and that they you wouldn't even think that that wasn't the right thing to do. Um, the point is, you just think he's got so much so much poise, so much calmness that he just goes, oh, yeah. I'll control that with my shin, and and, and and I can turn and and move on. And that's why he's been getting plaudits from the likes of Mark Robbins saying that. You know, he's one of the more unplayable um, guys in the league. That's one of the really nice things about watching um, with the uh, commentary from all over, you know, the championship is that you're you're seeing, you know, other people just drooling over our players. You know, not just Todd, but but just uh, saying, oh my gosh, what a fantastic player! And and I think what's been really lovely in the last few games is is seeing how other people are appreciating that and. I think sometimes, you know, we're all guilty of it, but sometimes we're, we're quick, you know, a month ago, there were people going, oh my God, it's a disaster, it's all over, la, la, la. Uh, and no, actually, we, we just had our little blip and, and we're playing some sublime football still. Yeah, I, I think you're completely right. Um, I that, that blip in form was was actually not that bad compared to, for example, Reading, who lost again last night. So they've they've only won one in five, and obviously Brentford have been on a, a three loss uh, or three three game losing streak. So actually, our, our you know, us drawing a few games and losing one really isn't that bad a blip, really, when in the context of the season. Uh, Matthew, talk us through you know those, those last few four games from your point of view. The thing is, the blip we had involved one defeat. And I think that sums exactly. up our, our season. That you know, everyone everyone ran around like the hairs on fire, worrying about this terrible blip that we were going through. And are we are we finished? And Brentford have already got the championship trophy, and uh, it's all over. And uh, we've come out of that blip with with one defeat. And during the blip, we had several clean sheets. So I think that the thing we've learned is that we're not that bad. We're we're, we're a pretty good team. And uh, and Farkas may manage to um, to write the ship pretty quickly, and and we're 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 back on our way. Did, did everyone think that it was all over and Brentford you know, were going to win the league? I, I think uh, I, I I know I know where you're going. And I'm going to try and head you off at the pass, but I think I spend too much time reading Facebook comments, and I see these miserableist fans all over the place that that were absolutely. Um, uh, uh, on 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 the team's backs. I mean, we, we did go through a patch where it looked like we were never going to score a goal again. Um, and the thing that I, you know that I've learned, taken away from the last four or five games, is just how important Pookie's confidence is. I mean, he really does look like a very very different player. You can you can see it from him, sort of on the pitch, whether he's feeling confident or not. And it's quite staggering in, in a way that you, you can't usually see that with players. You can, you can, you know, ascertain it from how they're doing, but he, he sort of exudes his confidence um, when he's got it and when he doesn't. And uh, he definitely got it back. And it's, it's been great to see the last three or four games. I, on that Pookie point, I was actually talking about this um, uh, with a, with a colleague today in the day job Um about because he was talking about how Pookie really went off the boil in in the Premier League season, and and I was saying it's a very similar thing around around the confidence, and you can you can kind of trace it back to some of the VAR decisions that went against us, and and how that that whole kind of whole season just 
everyone lost confidence. Everyone kind of ran out of steam, ran out of, of momentum. And I, and I, it was the point that I was making before, which is that, um, as in during this, this kind of blip, which is that we, we're not that far away from it. We, you know, we only need one or two of our really, really key guys to step up and all of a sudden everything else is going to tick again because, because Pookie is just such an out. I mean, that finish against Birmingham last night, that's oh a gosh. criminal angle to, 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 to <laughs> score from there and to do it sort of first time and sweep it in. And I don't actually think that I watched it originally. Um, you know, assuming when I see the replay that I'm going to be, you know, scratching my head at the goalkeeper, I'm not sure there's a great deal he could have done because it just, you don't expect to have the ball swept across the face of you and into the far side of the net from that. And again, like you say about confidence, that is the strike. That's the strike of a man who is who's absolutely brimming with confidence. It's, I think it's a mark of that goal as well, the, the speed of it and the fact that it was conjured up out of nowhere. And, you know, the, the commentary team was still sort of chatting about, you know, some inanities and there was something like, oh, 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 and that was it. You know, <laughs> it was just like, what? Oh, God, amazing. And that, you know, the, the foresight of um, uh, McLean, that, that little ball through, wasn't it, that just set him up and, and it was just, Beautiful, just absolutely yeah, it, exquisite. McLean has been. I mean, he's on, he's on the run and form of his life in terms of his time at City. He's 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 flashed he's flashed some good games in the Premier League. I, I think he's one of the few few players to come out with 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 some credit of the Premier League season. In that, I don't worry about him being able to contribute in the Premier League. We need him to play at his best, and we need him to play at the the level that he played in a few of the games that were more positive. Um, consistently and he's and you know we've got a hell of a job on to replace the you know 700 million pound man Oliver Skip next to him um I mean that Pookie seems cheap yeah (laughs) I mean Pookie seems Pookie being full of form and full of confidence is great and you you hope that he can continue that um in into into the Premier League if if Norwich get there um, but I actually think the, the 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 bigger concern is 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 skip in terms of you know transfer business. So, something else needs to be done that's that's vital because we tried to strengthen that position and, and yeah we ended up playing a lot of them in centre back. But um, yeah, I I think that that's an absolutely crucial area that we need to strengthen. Um, so John, look, looking ahead to to what we've got coming up um, fixture wise. In theory, it should be more of the same against Wickham at the weekend. We should, you know, we should expect to have a lot of the ball. And if if we come out of the traps a bit faster than we did on Wednesday, we should surely have too much. For yeah, them. yeah. I mean, you you definitely think so. It's it's one of those games though that if you look at from from purely a Norwich fans' perspective, and you think, right, well, it's it's first versus twenty fourth. Um, you know, we should probably go and win that by rights in terms of. Uh, the 11 versus 11 you'd be thinking that we're probably four or five nil better than them um we all know we're all too long in the tooth to to know that football doesn't quite work like that and actually Wickham are a really workmanlike side and will probably give us a really good game but I'd like to think that this Norwich team have proved over the last four games without a shadow of a doubt that they can grind it out you know they absolutely can grind it out and I think what will be really big for me is is Ben Gibson coming back because we just Last couple of games, I love Christoph Zimmerman. You know, I don't really need to publicly proclaim that anymore. You know, I absolutely love that man and he's been a fantastic servant for this football club. But Ben Gibson is just another level, um, you know, and, and as a partnership, him and Hanley have been imperious pretty much as soon as they've come together. So I think 
him coming back and hopefully coming back ahead of Brentford um, is going to be really, really big. But yeah, I, th- I think we'll turn them over at the weekend. But the midweek match, maybe um, I might even take a draw, you know. Uh, what, against yeah, Brentford? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing about... I, th- I think I saw... Um... I saw that the two of them together have already had the most clean sheets this century as a as a centre back pairing um, on something like eighteen nineteen or or something now, um, and they're just like you say imperious is, is is the word and with I don't I think Zimmerman is fantastic at getting his body in the way blocking he's a fantastic centre back and would walk into centre back pairings in pretty much twenty maybe of the of the championship teams, um, however it's the it's the it's in possession, and it was it was noticeable more so last night than than the game before because obviously we've missed him for a couple now. But you know, but both Grant Hanley and and Zimmerman do not have that step. Like it was kind of a bit like Godfrey the season and a half before. They do not have that confidence and ability to just step out and play a really really crucial ball several times. I mean, he's you know Gibson has such high pass completion stats and quite often he's playing the ball forward. It isn't just always a sideways pass to his centre-back partner. And and I think getting the move started and getting that kind of metronome round the back passing going is, is has been missing. But look, if, if we had to go several games without, without Gibson, I, I don't think Zimmerman is a catastrophic drop off and it wouldn't affect our chances of coming away with positive results. I just think that you might get a few more games like last night than you would games that we've had where there's been a clean sheet and lots of, you know, and we've had lots of opportunities. I mean, remember the, the original, the original Brentford game was a, was a really, really good game. And I'm, I'm expecting an absolute cracker on, uh, is it Tuesday or Wednesday? Wednesday? I think it's Wednesday, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm expecting that to be an absolute cracker. And um, Karen, are you are you full of confidence uh, fa- facing Brentford? I'm I'm always full of confidence. I get accused of being Pollyanna. Um, you know, is my middle name, first name, and surname. Um, I'm just. Uh, I think we're playing amazingly well. I think, as you said, we've got the ability to grind out. You know, the first half last night wasn't pretty um but we know what we've got to do to do a job and i think confidence is sky high with 10 points clear you know other people might have games in hand they've still got to win them um you know what's not to like um <laughs> at the moment i'm just loving it's 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 one of the few things that i think is keeping me and probably a lot of us going through lockdown uh, thank you, Norwich City, for doing that and providing us with such great entertainment. You know, it, it reminds me of this time a couple of years ago when um, the uh, the Guardian, I think it was, did a, um, a report on our game against QPR. And they said, do yourself a, a solid watch Norwich City at some point this season because they're fantastic. Uh, and, and that's how I feel at the moment. I think we can. Yeah, I'm, I'm full of confidence. We can take them. We can yeah, I, I think with the with regards to what someone said earlier about um, you know p- people coveting our players, um, and you, you quite often see um, the opponent manager saying that we're the best team in the league just after we've been played. Obviously, according to, to Thomas Frank, there, there isn't a standout team this this season. Certainly not the one that's, that's seven points ahead of them as it stands. Um, but uh, and, and they lost two. Um, but I, uh, I I think what's really really great going into that Brentford game is Brentford are currently winning this evening. Um, and if even if we lost to Wickham and they won at the weekend, even a win on uh, Wednesday 
they won't go above us. They won't go level with us. So it's one of those things where we can go into that game knowing that if we win, that's a real six-pointer for us. If we lose, still completely in our hands. Um, and we're another couple of games closer to the to the finish line. You know, we, we've got 12 games left and we, we're up by a point. Um, so I, 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 I can't go as far as saying, you know, it's sealed, it's in the bag. I said on this podcast, well, the last time we podded, um, I was, you know, trying to be the voice of reason saying, yes, Brentford are on an amazing run, but are they going to carry on being unbeaten for the rest of the season? No, I said then that there's going to be four or five twists and turns. We've had, well, you could argue we probably had a couple in that we've had, we've gone on a brilliant run and they've gone on such a bad run. Watford, I, I still think they're going to have a, a, something to say about this, um, although they have just conceded a goal, so they're only they're only one up now. Um, they're two one up now. Um, but I still think Watford are going to have something to say about about automatic uh, of 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 the chasing pack. I, I I currently think it's Watford that's likely to give us the the biggest biggest scare, and I would be very very happy if we were automatic at least, which I think is realistic. Um, I think automatic might be wrapped up in time for for that because I don't think four teams are going to maintain the kind of form you're going to need to go up automatically this season. I think it is going to be mid nineties that the the top two teams get just because of how relentless at the moment, those four have kind of been, you only got to look at the the drop off from four means eight points from fourth to fifth. Um, You know, there there really is a a bit of a gap between the the, the top four or five and and the rest of the league this year. So I, I think, the likelihood of all four teams maintaining and the kind of run they would need to, I think it's going to go down to three and then two. And it, it may well be that Norwich and Watford play the last two or three games already promoted, but you know, there, there, there's still a lot of time for, 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 a, for a, for a favorite to fall away. Um, so Matthew looking ahead to that um, Wickham game, any, any potential banana skin you think for, for us there? I mean, every game is a banana skin in, in this division. I know it's like a boring cliche, but, you know, there hasn't been that many games this season where we've been really comfortable. I always think back to the Stoke game where we were 3-0 up and uh, I was feeling rather smug because I, I predicted that was going to be the, the game when we gave someone a thrashing and uh, they pulled it back and it was a very hairy last few minutes. Every game we feel like, you know, this could be the time we, we really hand out a big score to somebody and uh, it's not happening. So I, I think, you know, we have to go into Sunday taking it very, very seriously, uh, just as seriously as the Brentford game. Uh, it does feel like we're getting ready for the Premier League, though, because of the next six games, only three of them are on a Saturday at 3pm. So um, we're getting ready for that Premier League <laughs> schedule. The, the one thing that, um, that you know, going back to what we were talking about, you know, what we've learned and what we hope to see over the next few games, one of the things that has been really encouraging for me is just how well Yanulis has now slotted mm-hmm. in. I find him really exciting. I think that he's he's better defensively than we'd um, been led to believe. He was sort of talked about as someone that couldn't defend, even though he was at, in that position. But he just seems so exciting going forward. He always takes the the risky but um, uh, high reward option. And um, I think against a Wickham team that will sit back, he, he will try and uh, take players on in a way that I think could give us a bit of an edge that we maybe hadn't seen earlier in the season against teams like this. Well, on the on the kind of along come Norwich side of things, um, Wickham are in a run of playing Reading, ourselves and Watford. 
and they got their win with ten men against 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 Reading already. So I kind of feel like they've they've just had a oh that's a surprise result if you see what I mean. So they're they're, they're not due one in the same way that if you were playing bottom of the team down on their luck, you you might expect that kind of freak result. Um, I mm. uh, I think if we if we look at the other teams that we've got coming up, um, we've got Luton, who, who, as far as punters concerned, are the best team that have ever played football. Uh, he was ever so I impressed with them like when we them. played him early in the season. So they were very organised. Yeah. So, so, and they're the only team to beat us twice so, this season, I'll have you know. Okay, so do you think they'll, they'll make that the hat-trick? Because we are playing a bunch of kind of mid-table ta- mid fodder. No, I, I, um, I think it's a really nice time Brent, to play Luton. Because Luton are kind of safely ensconced in mid-table at the moment. Um and I think they're full value for that. Luton are a really capable, organised side with a really good, young, exciting manager. Um, and that's why I've been so impressed with him because for the limited resources in the, and the players of, um, shall we say, finite potential, you know, kind of certainly that they haven't got the riches that Norwich have in the playing squad, they get the most, they get the maximum out, out of, you know, what they have. And that's all you can ask for as a football fan, you know, kind of if, if you know, your um, your team is is doing, you know, more than you think that they should and, and performing above what, you you know, perhaps your past score is, then that's great. And I think that's exactly what Luton are doing at the moment. So, but as I say, it's a really nice time to play them. And I think we will we will now put them to the sword. I think it's a good, good, good run. So we've got Preston, Blackburn, Forest, Luton and Derby. Um, and that is basically uh, 14th, 15th, 16th, 17th and 18th as it stands. And they're all between nine and ten points clear at the moment of relegation. Where are the Blackburn then? Because so, they were scoring goals for fun, like really. Are they 15th. really? Well, they still do. They've scored forty-four goals. They're only um, they're only one goal behind us. Like they, they, yeah, they, they, you know, they're two-one down tonight. And um, they, um, they've got a, to have a, a plus eight goal difference in fifteenth is mm. is going some. You know, everyone around them is in the minuses. <laughs> um, so they clearly don't have a. I think when they do win, they obviously they get a few. But no, so if you look at if you look at it, that was why I asked the question about the banana skins. I think this weekend and Brentford get through that. We've only got Sheffield Wednesday, who uh, until that end run of, of of three at the end, where we have have the Bournemouths and the and the Watfords. And Watford, um, yeah. It's it's just Sheffield Wednesday. They're the only ones who probably at the time of playing them will have something to play for for about four yeah, weeks. Yeah, I mean, I think it's so, a championship. That, that's the only caveat that you can put on that is that it really doesn't, oh, it no, doesn't no, matter, I, does I, it? I appreciate you know, that. We, we, will, we will drop points. We will have another mini blip, I think, before now and the end of the season. And that's fine because we've got ourselves in the position that where we can afford to do that and 100%. other teams will as well. So what, so what have we got? We've got, uh, is it 13 games left now? Um 14 games left so if we if we need to um if we need to win seven or eight of them the form that we're in at the moment means that that's it would it would almost be a surprise if we only won seven of our last of our last 14 um and you know that that takes us on to um that would take us on to 88 points with 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 seven wins so make that eight wins we're on to that lovely 91 figure um which which should be enough to get you automatic in nearly every every pre- every championship season um, and and then again, we're basically saying, well, you can you can fail to perform in six of your remaining games. That seems pretty generous when we've only lost five. Yeah, no, I'd absolutely agree with that. And I mean, I think yeah, I would agree. There's, there's a few difficult games to come towards the end of the season. But as you said earlier, Tom, I think if we can, I think we might have automatic all but wrapped up by them. So fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I wouldn't like to be going to to Barnsley on the last day of the season. Um, you know 
possibly pushing for the playoffs. Mm, do you yeah, think they might they're be? They're only a point off the playoffs now oh, with a game in hand. Yeah. So yeah, but um, Bournemouth, Bournemouth are, are currently two 0 down, and having slipped out of the, the they're going to as it stands at the moment, they're slipping out of the playoffs at the, the expense of Cardiff, who are the ones with all the mm. momentum. Um, and you know, Reading are now properly looking over their shoulders after losing four and five. So, um, you know, Reading are only three points ahead of um, ninth, and again, Borough who are very handy and Stoke a point behind that. So, the, I was actually watching a bit of Quest, and you think it was Colin Murray saying that the after there being a bit of a gap. Um, uh, fifth, six have now come. Well, Reading and Bournemouth basically because of their their bad form they've both had. Um, they are both now slipping right down. So there's a proper scrap for um for, for sixth place now, which didn't necessarily look like there was going to be. Which again, I think plays into our hands that we ain't got to play any of them. We've done Stoke twice. We've done Middlesbrough twice. We've done Barnsley twice. Um, we, I think we've done Cardiff, yeah, haven't we? Yeah, both absolutely. times. Basically, what we're saying is City's going up and the scum are staying Wee. down. <laughs> yeah, so, so it's interesting you mentioned that because um, someone wrote um, wrote some words about you know being sad about the fact. I mean, that the scum weren't doing very well. Did you write that before they demolished Hull? I did. Demolished. Yeah, way before. <laughs> <laughs> well, I heard it described as a statement oh, win. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, t- talk talk to us about your article and 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 why we should all feel sorry for for the scum. Yeah, I, I don't know about feel sorry for them. Um, I'm glad I'm glad that, that that we're significantly better for them. But I wrote a column for the for the program on Saturday, um, basically bemoaning Ipswich's demise for for a couple of reasons. I mean, the, the obvious and easy one is you know we missed beating them on on Derby Day, but that's not really the main one. And honestly, I found um, Derby's pretty stressful on the whole. Um, not that enjoyable, uh, especially if you're at the game. Um, can be pretty unpleasant, um, but you know we've been winning most more way more than than losing, so they've been pretty good, and and I, and I miss that. But more than anything, you know, I think that Ipswich's demise says something quite depressing about football, which is you know so many clubs, Ipswich included, are so badly run. Um, the the comparison with with Norwich is is humiliating for for town, uh, but that that shouldn't. You know that shouldn't necessarily give us uh, a huge amount of joy. You know, football clubs, especially outside of the 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 big, um, the big teams, you know, they're they're really important to where they are. They're really important to 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 place and pride, and to a huge number of people. They're obviously big employers as well. And you know, being so badly run, I don't think is something we should gloat over. And I also think that. You know the sort of the, the the playoff win in 2015 was a bit of a fork in the road with the, so much more money for Premier League teams, especially the parachute payments going up, versus what Ipswich have faced over the last uh, few years. You know, it's easy to gloat because it's Ipswich that has happened to, but it could have easily have been um, us, and it could easily be anyone else. And that, that I think that's they're they're sort of a poster boy for the for the inequities of football finance in a way that I think is bad for the for the whole game. And then the last point I made, no, not everyone will agree with this. Um and there's there's differing definitions over what East Anglia even is, but I want us to be the pride of Anglia, but I do want Anglian teams to be up there. Um we're out of the way. The rest of the country looks down on us. I'm delighted that Cambridge are doing so well, especially with Wes there. It's great that Kingsland are doing well. I'd like Ipswich to be doing a little better than they are now, just not as well as as us. So I know not everyone feels the same way. Um, I just, I just, 
I think that their their collapse is is not necessarily good for the game, and uh, in the long term, not not great news for everyone of a of a Norwich persuasion either. Karen, do you think it would be easier to uh, want them to have a slight return to form, although not to the same standard as us, once Lambert has gone, or does that not play into your your emotions? <laughs> I, I'm just really annoyed that um, you've been so um, grown up, Matthew, and um, made so many excellent points, um, which, you know, the, the person inside me who's not a child uh, concurs with. But uh, unfortunately, the person uh, who's about to talk is the child uh, and <laughs> says, uh, yes, I think it's enormous fun. And um, and it, it does brighten my day. You know, the, the fact that they've produced a Lambert out uh, ale, haven't they, a middle of the table beer, um, which, you know, I think somebody surely has to launch a Lambert in one um, for, for us but because um, we were rather enjoying his mission. Um you know, I I I agree with you in the sense that I'd really uh, I, I I don't miss the Derby days. They were something to be suffered. My local pub, after the um, I think was it three two when Gunny was the manager. Oh yeah, yeah, the relegation at season at their place. Yeah, um, there was a picture of myself and um, Steve, uh, who is from the football club, who is the head of catering, Steve Smith, uh, who had got so drunk in the morning. <laughs> oh, no, sorry, hadn't, hadn't been drinking at all. Um, no, but he, please he go was, on, I know uh, Steve quite well, <laughs> so please tell us the story. <laughs> he was singing... He was seeing Brian Bunn, Brian Bunn at one point, because he was uh, so um, enthusiastic, shall we say. Tired and emotional. <laughs> Tired and emotional, yeah. And uh, and we were sat on the, um, you know, the little, uh, the, the, the sort of upper um, bit of the stand uh, on the front row. And uh, Steve was uh, so disappointed with this result, he put his head in his hands. And I was thinking, oh, God, no, because I could see the photographers coming towards us. And I was and I was determined not to be. I was determined to be resilient and, and you know, kind of defiant in the face of this and, and just not give them the satisfaction of seeing that I was inside. I was dying and aching. Um, and unfortunately, that picture was splashed all over the EDP and was um, put up in my local pub for many years. So, um, you know, I, 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 from that, at least, I'm grateful that we are, are you know, um, leagues apart. But, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think you're right, though. I have, to, I have to say, Matthew, I think you're right, and I think it isn't great for the game. Um, you know, it's, it's good when I think local clubs are doing well. You are right. It could have easily happened to us. Um, you know, had we not had the people in charge and uh, that we do who care about the future of the club and, uh, and and really manage it from their hearts, I think, run it from their hearts. So um, I, I do feel for them um, there, but for the grace of God, that sort of thing. See, again, you've been really grown up, Karen, and I, and I, I get that and I get both, both of your arguments and you, you make compelling points. I can't, sometimes I just can't get over that game where they'd recently been taken over um, and, you know, Marcus Evans had swept in with all of this money and then they're there waving £20 notes at us, singing, we're fucking loaded and just putting it in our faces. And so, you know, that is almost, you know, burned into my retinas. And so every time that Ipswich Town, you know, kind of lose another game in League One or 
blue action their fan group do like you know kind of five men and a dog protest at the training ground or or you know they're putting up signs around you know kind of portman road i'm just like fuck you you deserve that you know you are a you know and i know of course i'm biased but they are a terrible fan base you know they they barely make noise they're just you know they're absolutely entitled they live in the past it's just do you know what it couldn't have happened to a more deserving bunch of supporters but that is all caveated with yeah of course i mean that club has been shambolically run for for some time now and there's been a you know kind of a just decision after decision in terms of appointing managers has been atrocious because they've spent some money they've got one of the highest budgets in in league one you know in terms of um you know player wages mm. they didn't you know they certainly weren't at the lower end of the the championship budget you know for when they came 24th and and had a really, really poor season from a points total point of view. So I'm not even sure that it's it's necessarily a financial, you know, kind of thing in terms of Ipswich being so bad. It's just such poor ownership. Just, I mean, ridiculously poor ownership. Um, and I can't help but revel in it. I, you know, and so my inner child, going back to your point, Karen, is is fully on show, and I don't think it will um, ever get put in the box. I have to say, right, inner child, um, full disclosure, when I was on um, Radio Norfolk Wall those years ago um, and we had the uh, 5-1, 4-1 season, um, I, <laughs> I did go through, uh, I told David Clayton, who was the editor at the time, I said, um, by the way, I am just going to play songs with the word five in tomorrow <laughs> on the show. Um, uh, and he went, yeah, go, great, go for it. Uh, and uh, I remember this guy texting in saying, um, you should know, you should know that not all of your um, your listeners are Norwich City fans. You're being incredibly childish <laughs> and it's not big, it's not clever. And if you don't stop, I'm going to turn over to Radio 2. So, uh, so I, <laughs> as you can imagine, I was really contrite. Um and uh, just, you know, played another track by Five Star and uh, said it was big and it was clever. And he texted back and went, I'm getting really upset now. It's like, but you're still listening. <laughs> what are you doing, mate? They're, ter- they're a terrible, they're a terrible bunch. Um, I, I, my inner adult is actually um, completely at one with my inner child, which is that they're, they're such an unpleasant bunch. They're such an unpleasant fan base. Um, I've had the, the the displeasure of having to work with a few people who are fans of theirs. Um, never rated any of them. Um, just it's just awful, just an awful place. Uh, oh no, I, I, there was an intern once called Callum who I quite liked. Um, so yeah, so maybe there was a couple that were all right. But no, they, they're just a, je- a dreadful bunch, horrible place, terrible journey, annoying to have to get there. Don't like that we're lumped in with them. Don't like that people confuse us with them outside of uh, East Anglia. Um, stay down there, rot, go down, go out of business. Don't care, not not bothered. You don't, you don't deserve my sympathy. I've got loads of sympathy for some proper big football clubs in the third and fourth flight that you know I, I think deserve to be higher up and have been really unfortunate that the way the cookies crumbled with bad ownership dragging them down there, who have made loads of noise in lower divisions and have made loads of noise when they're in the higher divisions. And I would much rather them. So if you know if we were able to wave magic wands and bring the good times back to three or four clubs that we think deserve it. I'd have I'd be waving 30 40 magic wands yeah. before I go near that. I lot. mean I think the the other thing to say is that actually as Matthew's kind of quite correctly asserted it could have happened to us and actually you know it was only really through a brilliant um appointment of a chief executive and then subsequently 
a really great manager in Paul Lambert that you know kind of took us back to the good times you know for Oh, the exactly. irony. Exactly. <laughs> well, this is kind of where I was going, you know, now that, you know, he's, he's overseeing Delicious their, irony. their demise. Feed it to me, inject it but into my vein. Football is cyclical and, you know, kind of Norwich and Ipswich are, let's face it, clubs of similar stature and, and similar size. And, and they will always tell us that they're bigger because, you know, they've won leagues and UEFA Cups and all the rest of it. And then we will always come back with, you know, recent form and, and crowds and all the rest of it. And no one will, is ever going to win that argument. Um, but at the same time, Ipswich will at some point probably maybe not in the next decade but you know certainly within our lifetimes Ipswich will be in the ascendancy again because that's just the way football works and all it takes is someone like a Paul Lambert and clearly not Paul Lambert in this instance but you know a a manager like him who's up and coming and grabs that that team and in spite of the ownership probably you know kind of takes them up to the championship and then momentum builds and you know maybe we have a poor season and then suddenly we're in the same division anyway um so, but, yeah, but I mean, isn't that why we need to really put the boot in now and just smile? Absolutely, <laughs> completely agree. But I, I think that I was going to say that's that's why we need to agitate about the the broken nature of football finances. But putting the boot in now is is fine by me too. I, I think it's I tried to say in the in the column this isn't out of a, any kind of a, a misguided affection for for Ipswich Town. I, I'm I'm there uh, with the with the angriest uh, when we lose on Derby Day and and the the most delirious and uh, offensively so when we win. But to me, the you know the, the the fact that they've been running to the ground in the way that they have, and the way that the finances have have really knackered them, it should be a warning to all clubs around the whole country. And there aren't Ipswich isn't the only one. There are, there are there are lots of uh, teams who who um, face this of, of different sizes, but you know, I do want them to be down there. I do want us to be better than them. I do want us to beat them every single uh, time we see them, and uh, to gloat um, deliriously with all of the Ipswich fans that we know uh, in the weeks after. But I also think that um, you know, we we need to protect the integrity of the of the game and the fact that we are clubs that serve a, a bigger purpose than what happens at three o'clock on a Saturday. We're there for communities. We're there for um, something bigger than just the 90 minutes. And um, the way that things are going and what's happened to Ipswich is, should be a warning that um, we need to get stuck in before it's too late. We have a bumper mailbag this week, but this is an absolute first in so much as one of the guests has actually submitted a question for the panel as well. And that's our um, our good friend, Matthew McGregor, who has asked us on Twitter, how on earth will the club replace Skip, Todd, Emmy and Max when they leave at the end of the season? Uh, I can't help but think you're being a little bit facetious in, in suggesting that they will all leave. But Karen, what are we going to do when all four of those depart? Yeah, that, that, that's not happening. That's just not happening. Um, I'm going to blockade the A11, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to contemplate that. I'm just, I mean, you know, we're coming hopefully to the end of lockdown or to a bit where we can start to move around a little bit more. Um, and that's just too depressing. I'm sorry, mate. I can't, I can't go there. I can't contemplate All right. it. Well, Matthew, you try and answer your own question then. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, we can't. I mean, this is the point. This is how well we're doing the season that I am now. Really thinking ahead to the to the Premier League, and 
and uh, you know, after after the Birmingham game, it really did come flooding back a little bit. I know it's a very miserableist way of looking at it, but last season, especially the way it ended, was was pretty tough. And um, we haven't we haven't dramatically improved the the team since we're in the Premier League. And Emmy and and Todd definitely seem to feel like they want to uh, play on on bigger. Uh, uh, bigger stages and and Max is uh, in demand by the mm. biggest clubs in the world. So I, I did get pretty miserable about things, um, but at the same time we will be back in the Premier League, um, knock on wood, and it does mean that um, they have a chance to to shine in a way that they didn't perhaps last time around. So uh, it, it is a worry though, especially when you add in the fact that um, Stuart Weber has said that next year is his his last year at the club. And he's done such an incredible job. Um, it's a very, very Norfolk way of looking at things to get depressed about next season before we've even won this one. But uh, that's just how I feel. Well, thanks for that. I would say on the Stuart Webber thing, actually, um, it's the reason why I think he will be working maybe harder than ever and really want to make sure that he has a successful couple of windows because he might choose to step down in 2022 but if he cocks up the next two transfer windows then he's not going to have anywhere near the decent offers that he would have if he were to step down this summer for example so if you know if he's working on a timetable of 2022 he needs to do what he hasn't managed to prove yet which is he can equip a team for the premier league and I, I think he can equip a team to, to get to the premier league i think he'll absolutely want to leave the legacy of norwich city oh, in, the, in but, the premier league i think to go back to but from a logistical point of view, mate, he, he would. Why would he leave to go to another championship oh, club unless it was a championship club that's just had those of money Absolutely. given to it? Maybe he'd go abroad to a similar project. But likelihood is he's going to want to try and get in somewhere that's a top flight team, and and he does not have top flight success on his CV. Like the Huddersfield team he built, yeah, he left. Before, you know, he, he left, but they weren't in a position to to stay up either. So, I, I would I would say that that that, that goes in our favour. I think Max will definitely mm-hmm. go. Um, and I think fair play to him. And, and he, I mean, he, he may well have ended up being an ever present for something like who he might have ended up playing in about 98% of our games since he made his debut, which is just insane. Um, you know, his, the, the rate with, you just take it for granted that he just turns out every single game, never gets injured, never gets suspended, you know, just, just phenomenal. And his, in his consistency levels are a different class. It, I think if he plays in a slightly more starring position, maybe he 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 gets a player of the season nod because his consistency is outrageous. Um, then, but I think he you know and he deserves his chance to go and play in the latter stages of the Champions League. I, I think that's the, the the ceiling of the quality that he's got. Um, Emmy, I think is uh, I think I actually think we might have a better chance of keeping Emmy if we go into the Premier League for the first as in the first transfer window than Todd. I th- I think Todd might Todd might jump, whereas I think Emmy might actually think if I hold on and if I can perform again like I already did in the Premier League last time, in January it could be max level clubs that are coming after me rather than maybe in the summer it wouldn't quite be, if you see what I mean. Um I think he, he, for him I think he might believe that he doesn't need to settle for a top ten top flight European team actually he can wait for he can do it a little bit more and wait for that top four team to come in from in January and that might suit Norwich as well because of the traditional overinflated prices in January obviously not including this pandemic hit one we just had so that would be my hope there as I said earlier in the pod and on Twitter several times um, my biggest concern in terms of actually Norwich being able to 
be competitive in the league is defensive midfield. Um, really happy with Kenny playing a, being one of three or four players who plays most of the games. But uh, don't think Mario, don't think Rupp, um, don't think so. I mean, Sorensen would be wonderful for him to really, really step up. But obviously, we, we're not seeing him having an extended run in the team because of the form of other players. Um, I don't think we've got that. I don't think we've got a Premier League first choice quality centre midfield, like holding midfield, ball playing midfielder at the club. I think we've got a couple of seconds in like Kenny and, and Mario, if Mario's on a really good day. But I don't think we've got someone who, who anyone else would want in, in there. And if if we if we're not able to get Skip on a, a Premier League loan deal for a season, which, you know, the way he's playing, I, I just think, especially as Tottenham's season is faltering a bit now, right? Um I think we really needed them to go in a run on the in the Champions League and really kind of kick on. Um, I think I think we're gonna have to say goodbye to him, and that that's the that's the thing where I can see us potentially taking a loan and signing two players. I, I think they will have learned that we were so poor in protecting our defence last season. I think they're gonna to have to really really go big and just risk that you have two annoyed people because. One of them I works. think they identified as well, you know, kind of in the, the Premier League summer transfer window, they identified that that was a really important position and we couldn't just rely on on Alex Tetty plus Tribal plus, you know, whoever else, you know, and as much as I, I am Alex Tetty's biggest fan and I would continue with him in the Premier League just almost to have him around the place and, you know, kind of come on last five minutes to, to shore up games. He's not going to be able to, to be a regular starter in the Prem. I, I'm really... I'm way more optimistic, I think, than than Matthew in terms of um, what we can do. I, I agree with you, Tom. Max is a set to go this summer. And actually, I think he goes with everyone's blessing. We all expected him to go in the summer. You know, he's performed way above the levels that we could potentially have expected of, of a lad who, you know, it would have been really easy for him not to be in, as motivated as, as he has been. Um, but I'm really hopeful that, one, that we could look at a loan deal for Skip because even if he goes back to Spurs, he's not going to play, you know, that much. You know, he's, going to, he's still going to be a bit part player, however well he's played for, you know, a championship club. So for his his footballing development, for him to go to a side, hopefully in the Premier League, to play every week, could you know, if, if Tottenham are looking at this in a considered way, that could be an option. But the, the plan B around that is, you know, in a weird way, is our plan A from the summer. So we made moves to try and sign... Ethan Ampadu um, and, and clearly Sheffield United were a, a bet, better draw because he was going to get Premier League football. They're coming down. You know, it's very likely that, that Ampadu may be available for, for loan again. So that might be an option that we can explore. Um, I think that Todd may well stay. And I think that actually there could be Stuart Webber style conversations with Todd to say, look, give us another few months and, and see where we're at. Um, you know, we'll do right by you if you continue with the, your level of progression. I think there'll be a similar level of conversations with Emmy, and although it'll be more difficult to convince him to stay, the the lure of regular Premier League football might be enough at least until January. And then actually, if it takes you to January and you're, I don't know, let's be really optimistic, but say you know, kind of eleventh or twelfth, then who knows what we can do with those players? Um, you know, so yeah, I, I'm hugely optimistic that actually it might just be Max, and if it is, then. We're in, aren't we? We'll we'll definitely stay up. It'll all be fine.
This is an interesting one from Stuart Wardrope on Twitter. And he said, not just because of last night's miss, but he's never really been convinced with with um, Timmy Pukki as a penalty taker. Who else would we like to see take one from the current team if Pukki doesn't? Tom, let's start with you. Uh, Kenny. Oh, OK. Uh, he's done it internationally uh, yeah. and he's got the cojones and uh, he's a beautiful striker of a ball got such wonderful technique um yeah he would he would be he'd be the first person that springs to mind oh, you love kenny matthew what are you I, saying i think he's terrific yeah um i'm saying todd cantwell uh purely on the basis of his penalty against spurs in the fa yes. cup uh, which is we're coming up on a year now and adam eder has got a, a pretty um a good eye for penalties mm-hmm. um by that same game so there's a few of them there's a few of them yeah, there's a few. I mean, I, I think also Rancic himself. Um, you know, but but you know, Puki is in fantastic form at the moment. I still keep the faith. I've got every faith in Puki going forward. We swapped, didn't we, in the in the um, in the Premiership uh, season? We swapped and had lots of different penalty mm-hmm. takers. Doesn't necessarily help anything. Um, you know, it was a it was a tame penalty last night, but. That's going to happen sometimes. I don't necessarily agree with the original question in so much, or the original premise around the question in so much as I don't think Pookie is a poor penalty taker. He takes penalties internationally, and I think what he looks to do is actually send the keeper the wrong way and then pick his spot. And you know, if that comes off, it looks brilliant every time, and if it doesn't, then it looks like a really weak penalty. He'd almost succeeded in that because he was going down the middle after he'd seen the the goalkeeper kind of go to the keeper's left. It's just that he kind of miskewed it a little bit. So you know, I'm I'm more than comfortable with Pookie taking the remainder of the penalties because as as you say, Karen, in that championship winning season we had Mario take penalties until he missed one. Kenny missed one. Steeperman missed one. I'm thinking probably Emmy missed one at some point. Pookie certainly missed one or two. I think if you have a consistent penalty taker and it, it continues to be Timu, then you know, do you know what? He might miss one out of say five, but an eighty percent, you know, track record in penalties is way better than than last time that we won the league. So no, I'd be more than happy with um with Pookie to continue. Next question from uh, Nick Hayhoe of Along Come Norwich, and he asks, and I think this is a, a really good and important question, but and I'm sure you all spotted it in the stands. What do you think the mysterious Lotus rap says? Do do we all know the context around this around the um, ridiculous kind of weird yes. digital nature karen yeah, you look like keen are you a, are you some kind of clever marketing whiz and you'll be able to work out what it actually means <laughs> no and no <laughs> um i just thought you know uh it was some sort of nostalgic harking back to the days of pac-man or something i i couldn't work out what was going on um it was a pleasant distraction for the first few minutes of the game um whilst i was trying to work out what was happening um <laughs> Yeah, it's supposed to be for the drivers, isn't it? Upside down. Oh, right. So presumably the fans that weren't there, if they were sitting in the upper tier, they would have seen it and read it upside down. You know, the I drivers don't know. that have had an accident and they're skidding along on their roof. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it was very surreal. I mean, I guess you know it's got everyone talking about it, so so maybe that's job done. But um, yeah, I thought it was a very strange, maybe some kind of a combination of like when we used to hold up all the cards um, 
I'm getting all nostalgic and misty either, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and trying to spell out something. So, um, yeah, couldn't work that one out at all, I'm afraid. No. Anyone else got any ideas? I thought it was a an Egg and Cress reference. Ooh. It was a bit, it was just kind of almost checkered, wasn't it, in, in its nature, though. It was very strange. I didn't. I think you're right, Karen, that it it was designed to get people talking about it and kind of almost start, you know, kind of having a conversation with with everyone else. But oh, what does that say? And then actually, as soon as one person posts a picture on social media, then then suddenly it is job done, and and people are talking about the new Lotus wraps, and there's EDP columns about it, and and all sorts. So it probably is as simple. I as thought that. it was maybe maybe like the equivalent you know in in lockdown lots of people are taken to doing jigsaw puzzles and i thought maybe they'd just got drunk and decided to do a massive version of that you know could be tom any other ideas uh no and i I don't think anyone is talking about lotus or knows lotus they didn't already know lotus uh so um yeah, and I, I, it's not. It isn't one of the marketing. What are you talking about? I've bought three lotuses in the week. <laughs> have, they, have you bought them all upside down? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Let's have another question. This one's on Twitter from the Unthank Kitchen, and they ask, "Who from our most excellent Championship side can make it in the Premier?" I fear it's goodbye to Zimbo. And I guess I wanted to kind of talk about this in a slightly different way, as to. Who do we all think we're going to have to shed in the championship when we go up because they're not quite at the level that we need? Tom, let's start with you because you're ruthless. Uh, Lucas Rupp um, did a brilliant job. Can I finish my sentence? (laughs) Yeah. Did a brilliant job yesterday uh, coming on and holding the ball up uh, uh, a couple of times. He also then uh, obviously pounced on that brilliant imperious header from Hugel sprinted the the length of the pitch and, and ate it in and so whilst I've been critical of how much praise he's got uh, I definitely think he's the sort of person that, that could be accommodated as a kind of fourth to fifth choice centre midfielder in the Premier League um, as for who we might need to leave behind however um, I, I agree that Zimmerman might drop down to fourth or fifth choice centre back I think we might need a couple to come in in front of him. And then it's basically a, a combination of Gibson, Hanley, um, and then the two two new people that come in. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily agree with the Unthank Kitchen, which is a strange sentence, um, that um, that that we he needs to be left behind. I, I think that, that the putting his face in the way of shots is... You know, we, we you, you do need to mix it sometimes. You don't have to watch some of the Palace and West Brom and Brighton games to, to know that there's a physical, a Burnley, for goodness sake. Like, sometimes it gets quite agricultural in the Premier League. And if, if you are going to grind out a, a, a vital draw here and there, sometimes you need three big bastards at the back to put their face in the way. Um, so, I, I, I don't know. He, he can he can certainly play the ball well enough. I, I agree. He I would, wouldn't want us to be starting too many games with him, necessarily. Um, but I know I think I think he's got enough about him to, to join in. I, I don't I don't really think there's anyone that I would leave behind. I mean, Pochetta I don't think is anywhere near it um, at the championship level. So I, I would I would, you know I, I don't think he's I think he was a you know high high risk low risk high reward kind of signing and I don't think it worked. So yeah, if I've got to say someone, I'd, pro- I'd probably probably say You're him. cutting your losses on Shemi. Okay, yeah, Karen, what about you? 
Uh, I I really like Zimbo. I I thought he um looks good until um he got that tackle at uh, West Ham. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and I thought uh, he I think he's been a a really solid player for us. And I you know last night did you see that um that sort of audacious back heel that he oh, did? Oh yeah, good it point. Was, yeah, yeah, that was that was mm. tackers. And, you know, um, so I I think um. More generally, I think everyone who's played their part in getting us to the Premier League deserves their chance in the Premier League. Um, and I think the kind of club we are and the kind of atmosphere we've fostered amongst the players and the kind of players we've got, um, I think they deserve that. I think everyone's worked their socks off and they're all part of that. Um, I can't think of anyone that I would particularly leave out. I mean, the only the only person for me would probably be Teddy just because of age and but as you said earlier having him around the place to to kind of you know um it, it'd be great influence on the younger players etc but um yeah bring them all with us Ooh. we're going on the premier league bus and uh next stop you know premier league nice matthew anyone you getting rid of i don't think we've got a premier league quality number 10 so uh all of the people that you know mario um Marco, I don't think they. I don't think they'll cut it. I mean, I I totally think that we should be the kind of club that that takes everyone with us, who got us there in the first place. But we did try that last time, and it and it didn't quite work out for us. Which I think is the other the other issue is that we didn't have the the depth uh, for the number of injuries we had last time. So, you know, it is partly about it's 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 less about leaving people behind. You know, like Tom said, Zimbo is a good fourth or fifth choice center back but i think where we're where you know our our first choice team on its day uh when they're when they're playing at their best is premier league but they're not always at their best and we don't have the backup we need so i think that's where we need to look in in the summer I think that's fair i think the only thing i'd i'd add to to all of the the lovely things that you said is I think there's maybe a little bit of the Corey Smith effect about a couple of our young lads. So I'd look at maybe Adam Eder and I'd say that although he looks like an absolute prospect, is he going to get enough game time in the Premier League to aid his development? Probably not. So we're going to have to look at a loan for him. Maybe loan him back to Brentford. He'll be ploughing their furrow in the championship still. (laughs) I don't know, mate. If they keep winning 3-0, then uh, I'm not so sure. Anyway, um, where have you been you know, for the last week? Well, how how and, is, have they won one game and all of a sudden they're well beaten exactly, again? Exactly, that's it. They are. Um, <laughs> and also Josh Martin. Um, I think you know he he hasn't really had a look in. He uh, you know kind of since maybe kind of early stages of the season, and he's one that that we'd probably need to. So it it's more looking at their development pathways rather than actually binning them off as as talent because they're clearly two really talented lads that that will come through. But I think that's what we're going to have to look at. Quite you know quite quickly for you know Tyrese Omotoye as well, Omobamadeli. You know we're going to have the Premier League. The success that comes with being in the Premier League means that you need um, better players, but you need you know kind of more physical units in terms of the players that that we're going to recruit. And I think we've learned that from last time. We're not going to be able to to blood as many youngsters if we're going to continue in the Premier League. So they're going to have to have those loan periods to to kind of bridge the gap to first team football. But um, yeah, apart from that, I think take everyone with us as well. One more, because this is a good one, I think, from Sam Pitcher, who says, with and it's kind of tying into a little bit of what we were talking about before, but he's saying, with Weber's time at Norwich due to end in 2022, what do we think will happen with the sporting director role? Will there be a new guy come in? Who might that be? 
can someone continue the great work that Stuart Webb has done? I think the club are quite switched on to the fact that, you know, that a sporting, well, we've spoken to Ed Balls about it on this podcast, that they're quite, you know, switched on to the fact that a sporting director role seems to be an important conduit between, you know, the, the football inside of the business and, and the board. And it's it's really important um, for that role to continue. I also think Stuart Webber will probably have some level of say in his replacement if he leaves on his terms, which we all hope that he does, because that means that he's ultimately been successful at this football club. And I don't know if any of you guys um, listen to the, don't want to plug another podcast on on a Norwich City podcast, but the actual official club podcast, which I was highly sceptical would just be full on club propaganda, but actually did a really insightful interview with um, Kieran Scott, the, the head of recruitment. And he's clearly talking like he wants that next step up and he's talking to Stuart Weber about, you know, the fact that that's where he wants to be in a few years' time. So it wouldn't surprise me that if Stuart Weber if Stuart Weber went and didn't take Kieran with him, I think that might be the man, um, you know, to, to kind of take us forward as a football club. If you look at the other people that have been interviewed for that podcast, um, it, it certainly occurred to me that it, it might be a deliberate thing to start to get him a bit more media time and start to build his profile a bit so that if he can if this wind, window goes well and um it, it kind of gets out that oh yeah that was one of the ones that kieran suggested to Stuart. you know mm. don't be surprised if you know they're, they're very big on on planning things in, in a much more coherent way than the club has pretty much in any time since i've been following them um and and i wouldn't be surprised if if that's a that's a deliberate thing to to grow his profile so we're not too disappointed when when it's him that takes over matthew anything to add to that no, you snatched the ball from my feet. I was going to mention Kieran Scott as well. Okay, cool. lovely. Well, that was uh, let's let's call that as we finished with that question, and I think it was a very good question, Sam. Let's say that you got question of the week, and if you want to DM us, we will send whoa, you whoa, some. Whoa, 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 oh, well, whoa, mate, whoa. you've bought all the ACN merch. Look, I, 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 I don't think there's any data protection breach to to reveal that you pretty much own, own all the merch that we've produced. So, Sam, if if you get in touch, we'll we'll send you some merch, mate. Thank you very much for joining us, Karen. Thank you very much for joining us, Matthew. Thank you very much for joining us, punt. I don't think I actually did rub it in as much as I could have done just how much I've been proven right over the last 11 days. But just I thought I'd put in at the end that um, sometimes it just feels good to say I told you so. Enjoy the game Sunday. Mind how you go. Without no right of reply. Brilliant. <laughs>